Good morning, everyone, and welcome here on this <clears throat> lovely Sunday morning. It's good to see all your happy faces. And we're going to stand together and sing songs about God's Word, which, besides the gospel, is one of my favorite themes. So let's stand together.
Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty? To be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me says here. I think that's all of us. Right. This is the call to worship. Um, so you see it there in the bulletin, so we could read it together, or you can just uh, watch my antics if you wish. It's okay, so it's up to you. So praise the Lord, who is like the Lord, our God, who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself, and will hold the things that are in heaven and on earth. Who raises the poor and lifts the needy from the ash. <clears throat> I'll pray. Maybe I should have prayed before. Dear Lord, we just give thanks for this day and the blessing of a building to be in and the company we keep. We just uh, pray for the message that Glenn will uh, give to us and that uh, you just lead him with the word as, as he needs to say it and, and uh, we need to hear it. We just pray for this and for the service and that everything will go well. In your name we pray. Amen. Shana. Scripture reading today is from Acts chapter 18, verses 23 to 28. And having spent some time there, he left and passed successively through the Galatian region, and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now, a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. Being acquainted only with the baptism of John, and he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. God to guide our thoughts through this. Lord God, once again, as we approach this passage, we approach in your word, we know it is your word, it's, it's uh, given by you for us, and it's relevant for all people for all time, and so it's relevant for us this morning. So Lord, what, whatever the message is that you have for us, I just pray that you would help us to see it, open our minds, open our, our, uh, our spiritual 
eyes, if you like, uh, just, to, just to see the truths that are here and to know what it means for each one of us personally. Help me, Lord, to speak it as it needs to be spoken, as you would have it spoken. Uh, we ask this in your name. Amen. So, how well do you know your Bible? Stories told of two lawyers who were good friends. And much to the amazement of one of them, the other one announced that he had become a Sunday school teacher in his church. And the amazed friend kind of scoffed and said, Really? I bet you don't even know the Lord's Prayer. And the friend replied, Well, everybody knows that. It's now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul. <laughs> And the first lawyer kind of pulled in his horns a bit and said admiringly, Ah, you win. I had no idea you knew so much about the Bible. <laughs> and if you don't know why that's funny, <laughs> you don't know your Bible very well. <laughs> the point is, as Christians, we should. We should know our Bibles. We should be people who are getting to know our Bibles better and better as time goes on. And the reason for that is because it's the only way to grow in our knowledge of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and of Jesus' instructions to us as believers. And it's the only way there is to come to an understanding of God's plan for us as humans, his plan for salvation, his plan for the ages, and how things are going to turn out. The only way we can know that is through studying the Bible. I preached on New Year's from Colossians chapter 1. Here's some weird words here. There, sorry, I forgot to turn the bell. On New Year's, I preached from Colossians chapter 1. And we saw there the prayer Paul prayed for the Colossian believers. That they would grow in the knowledge of the will of God. And grow in their knowledge of God. And because by so doing they would live lives pleasing to God. And become fruitful Christians. The only way to grow in our knowledge of God. And in his will for us. Is by reading and studying the Bible. So that is why knowing the Bible is important for all Christians. Uh, one good Christian mother had the habit of. Uh, taking some time every day just to sit down. Read from her Bible and just kind of unwind, spending time with God. After seeing her do that for over the course of several years, her four-year-old daughter asked her one day, Mom, aren't you ever going to get finished reading that book? <laughs> and the point is, as Christians, we should never get finished reading that book. The Bible. The Bible is living and active. It is always it, it always will have more for us. And the more we read it, the more God teaches us the things that are there, things that we've never seen before and never learned before. That's the reason why 95% about of my sermons are just going through a book of the Bible or a particular passage of the Bible because we need to get to know our Bibles. That's the foundation of transformative life change in us as God conforms us to the image of Jesus Christ. The passage we come to today in our study through Acts brings this out, the subject of knowing the Bibles. And it does through, so through the example of a man named Apollos. This last part of, chapter, of Acts chapter 18 begins with the account of what is known as Paul's third missionary journey. Uh, last week, you remember, we looked at the events of the last part of his second missionary journey, as we looked at the, the first part of Act of 18. Uh, it ended with verse 22, with Paul going back to his home church in Antioch, the church that had sent him out. So as we start reading now today in verse 23 of chapter 18, it tells us that Paul spent some time there in Antioch, and then he hit the road again. He first went through the Galatian region where he had gone on his first and, well, first mission journey, he started some churches there. And the second mission journey, he had revisited and strengthened those Galatian churches. And now, beginning his third missionary journey, he again revisits those Galatian churches 
to encourage those believers. It would have been the natural thing to do for, for Paul, seeing those churches that were kind of on the way to where Paul was headed, which we will find out next week in chapter 19 was Ephesus. However, the writer Luke, at this point, takes some time to first tell us about this man, Apollos. That's what verses 24 to 28 are about. Apollos. And again, as we saw last week, God is in charge of raising up the needed personnel to do the work of advancing the kingdom. Last week we saw it with Priscilla and Aquila. And here today we see him raising up this man, Apollos, who was, would be very much used by God going forward from here to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ around the Roman Empire. <coughs> so let's, first of all, just take the time to get to know Apollos. And then by application we'll look at some of the examples that he left for us. So verse 24 tells us that Apollos was a Jew and that he was from Alexandria and that he came to Ephesus. Uh, Alexandria, that was a city in Egypt. In, the, in fact, it was a leading city of Egypt. It was right there on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. If you would look at a map, some of you have maps in the back of your Bibles. If you look at a map uh, and that is areas around the Mediterranean Sea, you would see that it was almost straight south of Ephesus on the opposite side of the Mediterranean Sea, right on the coast of Egypt. When the Greeks conquered that whole area around the Mediterranean Sea, they in fact made Alexandria the capital city of Egypt. And Alexandria was named after their, after their, uh, <laughs> their great leader, the first guy of the Greek Empire, which was Alexander the Great. And uh, so Alexander is named after him, and it was in fact the capital of Egypt under the Greek Empire. It remained the capital of Egypt until the Arabs conquered that area in 642 AD. So as, as this is being written here, Alexandria was the capital of Egypt. It was a great center of learning. There was a very large Jewish population there in Alexandria. Many Jews over the course of years had, had emigrated to Alexandria. So there were many Jewish synagogues in Alexandria. There were several Jewish schools of learning in the Old Testament scriptures there in Alexandria. Apollos was from Alexandria. And he had apparently been educated there and schooled in the Old Testament scriptures. There's also evidence that the story of Jesus came quite early to Alexandria. Uh, this is maybe a bit of speculation, but in Acts chapter 2, uh, we were told that there were people there from Egypt in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost who heard the gospel being preached by Peter. So perhaps some of those 3,000 people that were saved that day, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, perhaps some of them were from Alexandria. And it brought the gospel back there. So as you read on there, chapter 18 here of Acts, of verse 24 to 25, you see that Apollos was a very gifted man. Very gifted man. He knew the Bible. And by the way, when it talks here in this passage about the scriptures, it's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. Because at this point, the New Testament had not yet been written. So whenever you see it's talking about the Bible or the, old, or the scriptures, it's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. Apollos knew the Bible, knew the Old Testament very well. And he was very gifted in understanding it. And he was eloquent. He was a gifted speaker and he could teach the scriptures well in a way that made it easy to understand. It also says he was fervent in spirit. So that is, he's very passionate about the scriptures. Very passionate about studying them and understanding them and teaching. It says in verse 24 that he was mighty in the scriptures. That's my translation, New American Standard Bible. I think the NIV says he was, had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. That phrase caught me, mighty in scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord as well. So in the way of Jesus, he had been instructed in the way of Jesus. And being gifted in understanding the scriptures and knowing the scriptures very well, the Old Testament scriptures, he was able to see quite quickly how this Jesus he had been instructed about fit in with the prophecies of the Old Testament. And so Apollos arrived in Ephesus and he began teaching in the synagogues there. Teaching very accurately the things concerning Jesus. There's only one problem. He didn't know the whole story of Jesus. 
his instructions about Jesus had been incomplete. He only knew up to the baptism of John. John the Baptist. So we, we are a bit at a bit of a loss to know exactly what Apollos knew and taught about Jesus and exactly what he was missing. It seems he must have known and taught about the life of Jesus and also the death and resurrection of Jesus. But he didn't know about Jesus' command to baptize believers in his name. So likely, and this is what I'm kind of putting together in my head here, but so likely, Apollos had not received complete teaching about the doctrine of salvation through faith in Jesus alone and being baptized in his name as a sign of that faith. Seems to me he hadn't con received complete instruction about that, that, that truth. So he was baptizing people in the baptism of John the Baptist. Now the baptism of John the Baptist was a baptism signifying the repentance of sin in preparation for the coming kingdom of God. That's what the baptism of John the Baptist was. But with Jesus' death and resurrection, there was a great change because the kingdom of God had come. And now through what Jesus did, through his death and resurrection, there is complete salvation from sin and total cleansing that comes with placing your faith in Jesus and accepting him as your savior. So being baptized in Jesus' name signified, or the symbol of that choice, of placing your faith in Jesus and the regeneration Jesus gives as a result of that. <coughs> so at any rate, Priscilla and Aquila, remember them from last week? Um, kind of interesting, Aquila was the one Paul ran into when he first went to Corinth. Uh, tent makers, whatever, he joined them in business for a while. Aquila, his wife's name was Priscilla, and uh, we saw how God raises up people to continue on his work. So Aquila and Priscilla. But from now on, it's always Priscilla and Aquila. Not Aquila and Priscilla. The wife's name is always named first from now on throughout the rest of the New Testament. That's interesting. I don't know how significant it is, <laughs> but it's interesting that why it is always the wife's name first now. And some have speculated that Priscilla maybe had a higher standing in, in Greek culture and Greek society. She was from a higher standing than Aquila was. She had kind of married down. He had married up. Maybe that is kind of, so it was always Priscilla and Aquila. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I was thinking it's kind of like, um, well, I'm letting you know my, some of my personal tastes here, but kind of like uh, Carrie Underwood and Mike Fisher. <laughs> you in the hockey world, you know Mike Fisher, of course. He's a, uh, great hockey player and he married Carrie Underwood the great popular singer in country music of these days so I'm a country music guy so I'm a Carrie Underwood fan so I've heard them being called Mr. and Mrs. Carrie Underwood <laughs> that's what I've heard them called so maybe it's the same kind of thing here that she was the more famous one so it was kind of Priscilla and Aquila I don't know if that's true or not that's just my my brain going places that probably shouldn't go but <laughs> anyway Priscilla and Aquila heard Apollos teach and the preach in the, in, the, in the synagogue and he realized that while what he was preaching was powerful and it was on the mark as far as it went that he was missing something. So they took him aside and they explained the way of Jesus to him more accurately. And though it's not stated obviously Apollos learned the whole truth about Jesus and from then on included that in his preaching and teaching. So Apollos, we learn from verse 27, had a desire to go to Achaia. That's a Roman province uh, where Corinth is located. Corinth is in Achaia. Ephesus is not. It's a different province. Uh, that's where Priscilla and Aquila had just come from, Corinth. We saw that last week. Uh, so Apollos had a desire to go back to Achaia, or to go up to Achaia. And the Christians there at Ephesus including Priscilla and Aquila, encouraged him to do just that. They recognized his gifts and his abilities. They recognized his obvious anointing of the Holy Spirit on him. And they saw how he could benefit the believers up there in Corinth, so they encouraged Paulus to indeed go. They even wrote a letter of recommendation that Apollos carried with him to present to the believers there at Corinth. Um, 
that they should receive him. He had their blessing. They should welcome him. In verse 27 and 28, then the chapter closes off by telling us that he was a great encouragement to the believers there and helped them a lot. And also he powerfully refuted in public debate the Jews who denied that Jesus was the Messiah. He did that from the Old Testament scriptures. He powerfully refuted them and showed that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah. So that's Apollos. He would become an important person in the spread of the gospel and establishing the church of Jesus Christ in the first century A.D. Especially in Corinth. On your own sometime, you can look up 1 Corinthians 1 verse 12. Uh, it says something interesting there about Paul. It's just one, one verse, but from what it says and what you can read into that, that tells us a lot about Apollos. <clears throat> that phrase, that Apollos was mighty in the scriptures, <clears throat> caught my attention as I was studying this passage. Every time I read it, it seemed to just jump out at me. Mighty in the scriptures. There's something here for us. Apollos leaves us some great examples in the area of learning and coming to a good knowledge of the word of God. So let's look at them. As Christians, we need to understand the importance of having a clear understanding of the teachings of the word of God. And we can understand this better by looking at the examples of Apollos uh, that come out in this passage, Acts 18, 23 to 28. So first of all, there we have the example of gaining an accurate understanding of the Bible. The example of gaining an accurate understanding of the Bible. Apollos was mighty in the scriptures because he studied them. And in doing so, gained an accurate understanding of them. Given what we know about Alexandria at that time, the center of learning that it was, the large Jewish population that was there, the numerous Jewish synagogues, there was ample opportunity for him to study the scriptures and gain an understanding of the scriptures. The Old Testament, as I said before, the Old Testament scriptures. Obviously, Apollos took advantage of those opportunities. He had a passion and a desire to get to know the Bible, the Old Testament. And so he did. He did get to know them. And in so doing, he gained a good and accurate understanding of the Bible. And so because he had that good and accurate understanding of the Old Testament scriptures, when he heard the story of Jesus, he could very quickly see how Jesus fit in so perfectly with what the Old Testament scriptures taught and prophesied. And he saw that Jesus was the Messiah as foretold in the scriptures. He had an accurate understanding of the Bible. Now he also had a special gifting. We saw he was very gifted and God had given him a gift of, of understanding that and, and grasping the truth of that. But he took advantage of the opportunities in front of him and he gained an accurate understanding of the Bible. And that's a great example for all of us. <clears throat> All Christians, may I say, all Christians need to work at gaining an accurate understanding of the Bible. We all have opportunities in front of us to do that. There are likely more opportunities for Christians today to gain an accurate understanding of the Bible than there ever has been. At least for Christians in North America. It's very easy for us to get a Bible in our own hands. We can even choose from several, several different translations. We can read it whenever we want. Or are able to. We have access to more helps in understanding the Bible. Than any generation before us have. We have all kinds of Bible studies, all kinds of material to give us the background to different cultures and times and different books of the Bible were written in to under, help us on our understanding. We are free to attend church every Sunday where the Bible is preached. Most of us also have options to get involved in some kind of small group Bible study of some type. We have opportunities. Our church. We have our regular worship service where the Bible is preached and taught. We have an adult Bible class every Sunday, every Sunday morning. We have a teen Sunday school class every Sunday morning. 
We have a ladies' Bible study during the week. We have a junior youth program, Friday nights. Now, we don't obviously have as many opportunities as some churches do. But we do have things going on to help all of us gain an accurate knowledge of the Bible. So I encourage all of you to take advantage of those opportunities if you're able. They are there to help us gain an accurate understanding of the Bible. Most important, of course, most important is your personal Bible reading. Uh, you regularly sit down, grab your Bible, and just read it. Just read it. A chapter at a time, a psalm at a time, a particular section at a time. Maybe just a few verses at a time. And yeah, there's going to be some passages that you find don't speak to you at that particular time or moment. And there are others that you read it and you kind of, what in all the world is that about? What does it mean for me? Yeah, there will be those times. Just keep reading it. Just keep reading it. Even if you think you aren't getting anything out of it, you are still getting fed spiritually. <coughs> June gave me this piece <laughs> quite a few years ago now, but <laughs> I'll just read it. A churchgoer wrote a letter to the editor of a newspaper and complained that it made no sense to go to church every Sunday. He said, I've gone for 30 years now, and in that time I've heard something like 3,000 sermons, but for the life of me I can't remember a single one of them. So I think I'm wasting my time and the pastor's time, and the pastors are wasting their time by giving sermons at all. There's a lot of response to that letter to the editor, but in one particular response somebody else wrote in with this reply. He said, I've been married for 30 years now. In that time, my wife has cooked some 32,000 meals. <laughs> but for the life of me, I can't recall the menu of one single, a single one of them. <laughs> but I do know this. They all nourished me. They all gave me the strength I needed to do my work. If my wife had not given me the meals, I would not, I would be physically dead today. Likewise, if I had not gone to church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today. A lot of truth to that. Apollos leaves us a great example. Gain an understanding of the Bible. We have ample opportunity to do that. Let's take advantage of those opportunities and like Apollos, gain an accurate understanding of the Bible. Secondly, the example of being teachable. Example of being teachable. As we've already seen, despite Apollos having gained an accurate understanding of the scriptures... And despite him having learned about and being instructed in the ways of Jesus, and despite his passion for the things of God and the truth that Jesus was the Messiah and his passion to teach that to others, there was something missing. He hadn't been instructed in the full teachings of Jesus about the implications of his death and resurrection and the full implications of salvation through Jesus by grace alone, through faith in him, or about being baptized in the name of Jesus. He was missing something. So when Priscilla and Aquila realized that, they took him aside, and verse 26, it says, they explained the way of God to him more accurately. And every indication we have is that Apollos eagerly learned the rest of the story of Jesus that he was unaware of, just as he had eagerly learned and gained an accurate understanding of the Bible, the Old Testament Scriptures. And from then on, we conclude that he included the fuller knowledge of Jesus in his preaching and teaching. What we see here was that Apollos was teachable. Even though he was already very learned, even though he was very gifted in discerning and understanding the truths of Scripture, even though he was very gifted in speaking and teaching and passionate about it, he was still teachable. He was quick to recognize that there was some information he didn't have before and hadn't understood before, and it made a difference. So he was eager to learn and eager to include his new knowledge in his preaching and teaching. Friends, that's key for all of us to become mighty in the scriptures. None of us ever get to the place where we know it all, where we know all there is to know about the Bible or the things of God. As I said, the Bible is the Word of God. And because it's the Word of God, it's infinite. 
There's always more that can be learned. So maybe this second point is more for me than it is for you. <laughs> I've devoted my life to studying and teaching and preaching. So maybe it's more for me than for you. I, I need to realize there's always more. I, I need to always have a teachable spirit to be open to gaining that, that fuller understanding. Like Apollos. All of us do. If we get to the place where we feel that we know it all, and no one can tell me anything because I know it all, I've been studying a lot longer than any of you have, so I... <laughs> If I get to that place, I'm in a bad place. If we get to that place, we will stop in our growth right there and never move past that. And we will never become mighty in the scriptures. So there's an example of being teachable. It's a good example for all of us. And thirdly, the example of being able to defend against heretical teaching. The example of being able to defend against heretical teaching. Verses 27 and 28 Apollos went to Corinth and using his God-given gifts and abilities greatly encouraged the believers there. One of the ways that he encouraged them was that he, by, he, he powerfully refuted the Jews in public debate showing that the scriptures teach that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, the attack of the Jews on the Christians centered around Jesus. The Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah. They refused to accept that the Old Testament prophecies pointed to Jesus. They turned a blind eye to the plain interpretation of those scriptures and interpreted them differently. And their arguments may well have been confusing to many of those new Christians in Corinth. They're brand new believers. They weren't schooled in the scriptures and all that understanding. And uh, if the Jewish leaders in the synagogue interpret them differently, but then these Christians are saying it's like this, and so it could be confusing for those new Christians there in Corinth. There might have been some hesitation in some of those new Christians. Their faith might have been on shaky ground. So when Apollos came and powerfully refuted the Jews from the scriptures, that would have been an encouragement to those believers. It would have strengthened their faith, as they would have confirmed in their minds that yes, their understanding of the Old Testament scriptures was right. That's correct. Now, as I said, Apollos was a, an especially gifted man. Gifted in his knowledge of the scriptures. Gifted in his ability to understand the scriptures. Gifted in speaking and teaching the scriptures. And he was passionate in all of those areas. Not, not everyone are, not all people, all Christians are gifted in that way. Perhaps it's safe to say even that not many are gifted that way. There's a lot more that probably are not gifted in that way. Paul stands out because he was unique in that sense. But all of us as Christians should come to enough of an understanding of the Bible to be able to recognize a heretical teaching when you hear it. And we should be able to know and show from the Bible that no, this is not right. This is not consistent with what the Bible says. It's out of line with what the Bible teaches. When I talk about heretical doctrines, uh, I mean where they deviate from the fundamental teachings of the Word of God. The authority and inerrancy of the Bible. The triune Godhead. The virgin birth of Jesus. The physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. The deity of Jesus. And so on. Those basic fundamental things. All of us as Christians should know our Bibles well enough to be able to recognize when we hear something different being taught or preached, we should recognize that as heretical. The Jews of the synagogues, they refused to accept Jesus as Messiah, God come in the flesh. So that was heretical. It's not what the Bible says. We should be able to, when we hear stuff like that, realize, no, 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 that's not what the Bible says. We should know our Bibles well enough to be able to know that. And be able to defend those basic truths from the scriptures. And if you can't, 
you should avail yourself of the opportunities that are there to come to an accurate understanding of the Bible. Back to point number one. So in that sense, Apollos leaves us a good example in this area of being able to defend against heretical teaching. That will strengthen your faith. It'll encourage you that you're on the right track. It'll make you stronger as a Christian. And it would also help you to encourage others. Know your Bibles well enough to defend against heretical teaching. So therefore we see from this passage some great examples from the man Apollos. Great example about being mighty in the scriptures. They are number one, the example of gaining an accurate understanding of the Bible. Number two, the example of being teachable. And number three, the example of being able to defend against heretical teaching. I guess the questions we all have to ask ourselves as we conclude this is, how good is my understanding of the Bible? Am I taking advantage of the opportunities in front of me to grow in my understanding of the Bible? Could, could I defend my faith from the Bible? Those are personal questions, obviously, so only you can answer them. I can't. Only you can. But as we go to our time of silence now, let's just take our time of silence where all of us can in our hearts, open our hearts to God and to listen to what is it he is saying to me here this morning? I'll just give you a few moments. Let's stand and sing together. <clears throat>
specifically about God's word, but how God's word helps us. And then the final verse is the verse that we wanted to send you off into your next week, especially Chris and I, because we're going to Vegas. But um, so think about that as you sing this last verse. singing.